Hi, I'm Prudence. Welcome to today's session with me on valuing your business. I'm Prudence Zhu. I'm an advisor at Hub. I've been with Hub for uh, almost a half a year now, and I've been a full-time entrepreneur almost a year now. So. Everything is new, but I had uh, prior to my entrepreneurship uh, career, I was in corporate finance. And even before that, I was in uh, private equity. So had a lot of experience in different sectors and different aspects of finance. And I also have a tax background. I'm a CPA and I do tax planning for uh, clients as well. So that's just a little bit about my uh, my background. I. To sum it up, it's like very diverse. And basically I do tax, financial planning, investment. I do personal, I do business, but I, I do everything. So jack of all trades. And if I don't know the specifics, I know who to go to. And today we'll just be touching up on um, business valuation. Cause when I talk to um, small business owners, a lot of them don't realize they are basically sitting on a box, a, a treasure box, but they don't know what's in it. And a lot of times they forget that they own it. So I think it's very important to for, for every entrepreneur to understand that the value of their business as they grow. And also that's a way for them to have bigger vision and down the road, like have an exit plan or a succession plan for their business, for business continuity, right? So, um, Today's agenda, I already went through the introduction and basically it will uh, talk about three aspects of the basics of um, business valuation. That's um, way before where some would say it's accounting best practices or financial management best practices. And, that, and after that, we'll talk about two ways of calculating valuation of your um, the value of your business, um, it's basically through multiples. Those are very quick calculations once you have the right financial report. And um, we'll talk about the other considerations, um, the different factors, macro and um, micro that could impact the valuation of your business. And I will also provide you some tools and resources for you to go deeper if you want to like go into the details of uh, how to be evaluating your business and how to talk to potential buyers. And then we'll have a Q&A and that one won't be recorded. So don't worry if uh, you have semi-private questions. Um, and then I'd like to get your feedback in the end. Does that sound good? Okay, cool. So if you have questions throughout my presentation, feel free to send in the chat and um, after like each small section, I'll read the chat and see if there are questions and Chelsea will also keep an eye on it. Cool, let's start. So this is a night chart, but I'm just going to walk them through very uh, at very high level. Okay, the basics. First one, maintain accurate records. So that is actually pretty uh, important, but a lot of people don't realize um, like it is actually a habit day in and day out. So um, if you are just starting, then it's important to like start from each transaction. And um, if you watch the 
uh, your cash flow. And then um, once you have a better understanding of you know where where are your income coming from, where are your expenses, then then it, that's a good foundation for you to uh, do forecasting and budgeting. Next one is segregate personal and business finances. So that one is so important. Like a lot of times when we start, we um, use our personal credit card to for expenses, right? That's expenses most of the times happen before revenue, but sometimes it's the other way, then it's a good story. So once you have a business, it's important to separate your uh, personal expenses and your business expenses. That way, your uh, transaction and data would be consolidated or in one place for you to pull. And um, also it is a legal concern. Like if you use your personal account to pay for, or the other way, most likely the other way. If you use your business account to pay your pay for your personal expenses, or if you use your personal account to pay for business expense, but don't uh, remember to record it as expense. So that way you don't get the tax deduction and you don't have a good representation of your business situation. Next one, regular reconciliation. So a lot of people uh, do it like on a daily basis or weekly basis, uh, but as your business grow, it's probably more like a monthly cadence. Like you just need to make sure your bank account balance and your um, your balance sheet balance are the same and then reconcile and classify the different transactions. A lot of times, um, if it's not something you like to do, uh, it is a good investment to hire a good bookkeeper. So bookkeeper is not some, like it, it doesn't have to be a CPA, but it's somebody that's like very um, detail oriented and wants to follow up when there is an unclassified transaction. Uh, a good way to help is to use the software. So that way a lot of the transactions will be automated and you can write rules or even use AI to um, make the process a lot more efficient. Budgeting. So budgeting is more like an annual basis. So basically at the beginning of the year, a lot of my clients or advisees are doing the budget for 2024. Um, ideally it's, like in a bigger company, the company uh, companies will do that, the budgeting or the, the um, planning process more like in September, November, like between September to November, because they would have a lot of departments to uh, gather information from. But if it's a small business, then at the beginning of the year, when you have all the data for the prior year, that's a good foundation for you to estimate what's the forecast or the budget for the coming the, this current year. Um, it's pretty like straightforward at top level, it's income uh, and then it's all your expenses. And then at the bottom line, you'll see if you are making a profit or you are creating a loss, in which case you will have to figure out financing or uh, where to get the money, right? To make the business keep, keep the business going. Cash flow management. Um, that is more like um, week to week or day to day, depending on your business. Um, a tool that I, I've helped some of the advisees uh, develop is a 13 week uh, cash report. So basically it shows your cash situation in and out and by week, beginning balance, ending balance, and it goes out by week. That way you understand like which week you have a, a 
more likely uh, uh, in the red. <clears throat> so that you can make some decisions either to borrow more money or to pay down less debt, um, leading to that low point in cash. <clears throat> Sorry. And then inventory management. If you are in a retail business, then it is very important to uh, estimate your inventory and make sure that all your resources, including inventory, is um, turning and making a profit for you. So basically, you have to not only uh, count, like count, you have what you think is in the book. It is also in the in the warehouse, meaning reconciling, right? The the actual physical inventory and the book uh, balance. And also you will, um, it's a, a good advice to calculate your inventory turnover. So that way you can understand like which items are turning faster. And um, also when you combine the inventory turnover with your profit margin for a specific inventory, you can understand like which ones are more important products for you and you should invest more in. Tax compliance. So if you have employer employees, then you have to pay quarterly payroll taxes for them. And it's recommended to use a payroll software like Gusto. Um, they make it so much easier and you don't have to remember all the deadlines and be stressed out. Uh, for your company or personal, it is on an annual cadence. Um, so usually for companies, it's uh, middle of March. For uh, LLC, uh, it's together with your personal return. So it's middle of April. And um, that might be other things you need to do. So, but that is the very high level. And regular financial review. So I would recommend it on a monthly basis. So basically, once you have the budget, usually budget is by month or by a full year. Um, you can review your actual against your budget. So if your budget is uh, annual budget, maybe divide it by 12 and see what account for um, seasonality and timing of things like license could be front loaded in the beginning of the year. But other things are more like straight line throughout the year, like rent, payroll. So uh, basically you can compare where you expect to be versus where you actually landed. Um, if you do it on a monthly basis, then you would be able to make decisions much faster um, and uh, catch up on good opportunities. Like say, for example, something exceeded your expectation, then maybe invest more on that instead of investing on the things that's not gaining traction. Um, that leads us to investment strategy. So marketing sales, all could be investment strategy or hiring, growing your team or buying contracts and um, merger and acquisition, buying other businesses that it could be big, it could be small. So, but the bottom line of investing is like, you need to understand how much you're investing, not only your money, but also your time. Most likely like you are doing financial analysis where we're analyzing the money, but also you have to consider your time because as a business owner, time is as important as money. And then understand the return of the investment. A lot of times financial analysis would be the money um, invested and the money uh, needed to maintain the 
business deal or that specific investment and then the money um the return of the money so basically that's what we call rate of return roi uh and ideally you would have like a few different options say marketing or investment uh in headcount and then you can compare those based on your priority and rate of return to make a decision build an emergency fund so that one is just for um, it's similar to personal finance, right? Um, business finance, you need an, an emergency fund in order to smooth out the ups and downs in income and also um, to account for unexpected uh, big items such as a big return or uh, a big repair, things like that. Um, next one that is so important is to pay yourself a salary. A lot of times as a, when you start out, it, um, we're just like reinvesting everything back into the business, right? Not paying as much except for, you know, now and then we'll draw money from the business and then, you know, pay our personal expenses like rent and stuff. But it is very important from day one to understand how much your time put into the business is worth. That way down the line, when you have more resources, you can uh, one estimate how much you will need to replace most of your responsibilities with another headcount and um, to have a fair representation of the profitability of the business. Say if you have a profit just because you are not paying yourself, that doesn't necessarily mean you're you are making a profit at the end of the day, right? Because uh, your time is worth a lot of money and uh, if you hire someone to replace you, say if you sell your business, then that person will be expected to pay a salary. So do pay yourself a salary. And the next one is debt management. Um, this one, I don't know how much specifically to go into because it could be a lot. So I'll leave that one. And um, I think at a very high level, I would say like, don't stress out and let's talk about the numbers and smooth out the emotions. So next one is a regular training and think about building a team. So that's once you um, get to a place where you think you are like 70% of your capacity, maybe consider hiring someone and do the transition already, like outsource or um, delegate the things that's not joyful and not value added to the business from you to uh, the next person. That's better for the um, succession of the business. And also it's a better use of your time. And let's see if we have any questions. Prudence, we did have a question in the chat. Um, going back to, you talked about um, doing doing kind of some comparison on cash flow and you you talked about how you've worked with businesses and you you put them on a 13 week review of their cash flow oh, uh, it's roughly like three uh three months right yeah so is that is that why 13 because you want to be able to see like capture the quarter it's like a quarter yeah yeah it's a okay. rolling quarter cool okay yeah. that was the the main question we got was why 13 because that seems kind of like a yeah, because that's a that's a middle ground. It's like a year would be too many uncertainties. Then it's not accurate, and like 
if it's just a few weeks, then it's not far enough to provide insight. So 13 is like a middle ground, like a quarter is usually good to smooth out some of the timing issues. And it's also like enough accuracy for you to understand your, your expenses and income. Yeah. Cool. I think that that's all we got. And I just put awesome. in the chat, it's always good advice to make sure to pay yourself. <laughs> I always think yes. we as small business owners sometimes forget that, that we, we are part of the business too. So, yes, I mean, it, it is the, it is a base basically. It's like, uh, in personal finance, I would say pay yourself first, meaning you need to invest for the future. And in business, it's like, take care of yourself first before, you know, taking care of the business. Otherwise, the business is not going to be sustain, uh, sustainable anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So know your numbers. I think most of us would understand what revenue means, right? That's the money we get in. Sometimes it's minus returns, like if you are in a business with returns. Uh, COGS stands for cost of goods sold. So if you are in retail, that means the cost of you actually getting the product to be resold. And a lot of times like um, uh, the shipping cost uh, could be added in as well. So in other words, this is the variable cost. Like if you provide service, uh, it could be uh, billable hours. And if you sell a product, it could be the cost of the product and the shipping. So basically that means here, the example is 40% of your revenue goes to Cox and your gross profit is about 60%. So basically that means every dollar you're making more on revenue uh, will generate 60 cents for you to allocate into other expenses and future investment and uh, repaying that. Uh, so in other expenses um, here, we say, this is just an example, okay? So here, 500,000. It includes all the payroll, rent, um, office supplies, uh, vehicles, if you need uh, vehicles and um, marketing, advertising sales, all that will be included in here. And um, as well as the other things that will be later back uh, added in. So depreciation and amortization. Depreciation is basically if you have a multi-year use uh, equipment, then you don't depreciate. Like, I mean, the standard way to do it is to use the uh, lump sum investment, say if the machine is worth 100,000 and then it's useful life is five years, then you don't, like, you don't take the 100,000 in the first year, but instead you divide it by the useful life and take depreciation like 20 every year for five years. So that's for accounting. Um, and amortization usually happens when you purchase another business with goodwill, meaning the, the business is worth uh, like 500,000, but you paid 600,000 so, uh, so that you can obtain it uh, in goodwill. So that 100,000 is considered goodwill or the price you pay to get the relationships and you know, um, the contracts. So that can be amortized over 15 years and that would be added back in um, after net income when you, when you calculate EBITDA. So EBITDA, uh, I, guess, I guess why this is important is because a lot of times um, in business valuation, 
people look at revenue because it is uh, pretty straightforward, right? But also people want to know the profitability level of your business. And that's why um, investors will also pay attention to EBITDA. And EBITDA stands for the earning before interest tax, depreciation, depreciation and amortization. So basically earnings is net income. Uh, and then you'll add back in the depreciation, interest expense and taxes. So a lot of times, like um, I see when people pay back their debt, they don't separate the interest expense versus uh, the principal payment. And that's not advised because interest expense is the cost of your financing, but the, uh, the, the principal you're paying down is um, adds to your asset or decrease your debt. So they are serving different purposes and you need to separate them out. And um, also if you were to refinance the debt, then the interest expense could change uh, significantly in a very short period of time, but the balance uh, would not. So that's why also you need to separate those. Taxes, so if you're making a net income and if you are a C-Corp, then it's 21% adding some local taxes, right? Um, but if you if you are an LLC and it's a pass-through entity and it gets reported on your personal tax, then it's your personal tax bracket. And so at the end of the day, if your net income is 100,000, we add back 50, for example, 50,000 in depreciation and amortization, 50,000 in interest expense, 25,000 for taxes, your EBITDA would be 225,000. And that looks a lot better than the net profit, right? So that's just to say, don't worry about, you know, the investments in equipment and um, don't worry about your debt level as long as you can service it. Because uh, at the end of the day, the if you sell your business, um, those are not uh, a core consideration. So we so did have, was, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, Prudence. Uh, we did have a couple questions come up as we were starting to talk about this. Is this a good yep. time to bring those up? Yes. Awesome. Um, so Joseph asked, is it okay to talk about paying yourself as operations versus cost of goods? Is there kind of a rule of thumb that you would, how would you categorize when you pay yourself a salary or you pay, pay yourself out as, would that yeah, be considered so COGS or other expenses? So uh, a way to think about it is that, so the difference is really variable uh, cost versus fixed cost, right? If you, if ha uh, selling additional product or uh, providing additional services will involve your personal time other than, you know, administrative stuff, um, say like in this case, like billable hours. If you're a lawyer, then, Billable hour is in Cox, but administrative hours or, you know, personal uh, education or continued uh, education, those will be administrative hours. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that does. Um, Joseph, feel free to respond in chat if that if we need to dive into that further. Maybe we can save that for Q&A as well. Um, also said, I got one more uh 
from Everado, uh, we're mostly service-based, um, lots of seasonal jobs, and we use profit-first accounting and use owner's draws for our salary. So that's where we've struggled with trying to run regular reporting to catch trends and cash flow. Any recommendations there? I would set a regular uh, salary for the owners if your cash flow can support it. And, um, and then don't take everything as distribution because mm. um, it also depends it, it has tax implications because uh, partnership and S corp are different in the sense that partnership might be subject to self-employment payroll taxes and S corp like the, the, the salary portion is subject to payroll taxes whereas the distribution portion is not and the difference is 15 percent so it's huge uh, and yeah. Makes sense. I think that's definitely one of those two that I would, I would just recommend, you know, maybe as business owner, reach out yes. to separately after the call. Cause I know sometimes we get into the, the nitty gritty and I know we have a lot of other good material to cover. So I'll, yeah. I'll let you continue. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. So this is the basis of uh, the two approaches I'm going to talk about. Oh, sorry. So the first one, it's a very quick calculation. Once you have all the figures there, right? So the first one is a sales multiple, meaning you just add a multiple based on your industry and your business style to your the revenue of your business. And here we're talking about net revenue. So, so basically if you're in retail, you sold a million, but your return is 200,000. Your, your revenue is actually 800, not like a million, right? So marketing consulting service. So that's basically like, it's pretty good. So you get one times Oh, close to one times of your revenue. So if you are if you are in marketing consulting service, this is the average. Okay, and the source is um, uh, BVR. It's a website that pulls all the business transactions and um, uh, and and uh, transactions and valuations, and they do like a industry research. So um, this is to say, if you're in marketing consulting service, um, on average the same business in the industry would sell for one times on their revenue. If your revenue is 500,000, for example, then the average, like not considering any other factors then what you would expect is 500,000 or close to. And if you're a full service restaurant, uh, the multiple is 0.3. So that's just to say like if you have similar um, case like 500,000 then expect to be paid 150. Retail trade and immediately there's non-store retailers. So why there is a difference? So retail trade is lower and that's a traditional brick and mortar uh, retail. Like you have a store or you have like a um, uh, um, retail location then the multiple is 0.34. So close to the restaurant, but slightly higher, like a third. So in the same case, if um, if you want to uh, get the same valuation, uh, which is, let's say, what was the example? Oh, let's stay with the, the actual example, then the same number for comparison. So if, you had a retail store and your sales is uh, 500,000, then using the multiple is 500 multiplied by 0.34, and that would be 170. 
slightly higher than restaurant. And if you are, your business is a non-store retailer, meaning e-commerce, then it's significantly higher at 0.68. So same, same situation, 500,000 in revenue, multiply by 0.68, that's 340. So that's double of a traditional uh, retail store. Um, any guess on why? They don't have the overhead of the space. Exactly, and it's easier to scale. A lot of times you have a branding, you have a follower, and it doesn't matter where they are. You can just like continue to ship them your products. Manufacturing, snack, and um, non-alcoholic beverage bars. So basically manufacturing is uh, a very big category. I just picked a very uh, niche example, but a lot of like these days it's very popular as well. Um, snacks and non-beverage, non-alcoholic beverage. So 0.45, same example, 500,000 in sales. For five, that's 225,000. So this is just to say, no matter what size your business is at or what stage it's at, it's worth something as long as there's, there's money coming in, okay? And related to that, there's a different measure. Remember the EBITDA we're talking about? The EBITDA would be a lot higher multiple. And a lot of times when uh, a buyer estimates the valuation of your business. Um, they don't, by the way, they don't take your valuation. They do their own. They would consider different uh, comparisons and come up with a value. And they would, they will not tell you what their valuation is and they will lowball you and see where you are, what, what they can get. So that's why you also need to understand what you have using your own calculation. So here marketing consulting service is eight times, uh, full service restaurant two times, Retail trade almost four times, non-retailer 3.5 times. So this is interesting. This is uh, even though the sales multiple is uh, lower for traditional retail, but the EBITDA multiple is better for traditional um, retail. And then manufacturing snack, the same, snack and non-alcoholic beverage manufacturing is three times the EBITDA. So this is pretty important to show that if you have, if you have a traditional business, um, most small businesses are traditional, like that's to exclude, you know, super high growth um, startups. So you, the EBITDA is pretty important to be positive. Otherwise this multiple will kill you. <laughs> So that's why like you need to, first you need to pay yourself, second you need to work on the bottom line. And um, sorry, so even before that, we need to work on the revenue. <laughs> so those are the priorities. Factors to weigh in. Okay, before I move forward, like are there any questions? Prudence, how would you treat a business that falls maybe under multiple categories. Is that just, again, kind of your point to when some a, an investor comes to value your business, they're going to look at it and they might look at, they might say, oh, well, this person's a non-store realtor or real, I can't talk, uh, realtor, re, uh, retailer, excuse me. Um, but they also 
but you may view yourself as manufacturing snack and and non-alcoholic food beverage. How do you how do you treat that, or how do you figure out which one you should go with? Yeah, very important question. So, um, a lot of businesses have different business unit. So basically, it's also important for you to track because different business unit perform differently, and you need to measure them using different um, like benchmarks. So in your in, in that case, the case you give me, they are in manufacturing and also in retail. So um, if they have internal business unit, meaning they have a PL but separate like the two business unit, usually it goes all the way to gross profit. And then the overhead could be allocated or uh, could be allocation rule might change. It could be based on profit, could be based on uh, revenue or could be based on number of hours, like different headcount spent on different units. So not going into the too nitty gritty of it, but the basic idea is to track separately and then come up with a combination. And maybe if you have synergy between the two, then you add a little bit on top of that. Uh, also, it's very typical if you own a business, but also you own the real estate, then uh, you should separate you know, the real estate part and the business part. Because the business is worth something and the real estate valuation is a lot simpler to evaluate. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I think um, sometimes we don't think that as small business owners, we have different, I mean, we we know we sometimes have different products or different different things that we're selling or might fall under different classifications, but we don't always look at that on a financial level. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really helpful, really helpful. Yeah. So also as um, as a practice, a lot if you are actively growing your business, um, the investment also is its own pile. It's like um, we try a multiple, like a few different things and see what catches on. So that is super important, even though if there's a, like maybe there's a low success rate or it's costly at the beginning once. Um, but the hope is that one of the many things you try would catch up and um, add on to your growth. And we'll talk about why growth is it so important like in other considerations. Because right now we're just taking a snapshot and multiple, but that's the very beginner level of valuation. But at, um, going beyond that, there's a lot more considerations. I'm gonna hold the other question that's in chat for now and let's keep going. Okay. Cool, so the other factors that you have to consider. Uh, first of all, industry, like, um, we already touched upon that, like different industries have different performance and they have different multiples. And um, recurring revenue, that one is so important because even though you're like compared to companies, one company could be just like a bunch of retailers and minimal recurring uh, uh, customers. Um, and the other business could be 90% contract customers that is locked in for three years, like mobile phone service or something. And um, it's very clear which one would be more appealing to the investor, right? The, the second one, because it's more guaranteed revenue. And um, it, it, it's also like uh, guaranteed, like to some extent guaranteed retention. So that falls down to the bottom line. Um, next one is free cash flow. So that is a slightly different calculation than EBITDA 
but also very important. So that's basically to say like, um, that includes the financing power of your business. And it also uh, considers your uh, the capital asset needed to run your business. So for example, some manufacturers have really long lead time. They need to pre-order the raw material. They need to invest in the machinery and they need to uh, pr producing cycle to uh, actually produce and then ship to the wholesaler and then the wholesaler wouldn't pay them for another 30 days. So they have super long, you know, um, working capital need or uh, super long um, cash cycle. So they wouldn't require a lot of working capital. So that would matter a lot in uh, some industries. Growth trajectory. So that is very important. Um, but especially in startup, but also important in uh, small businesses. If your business is continuously growing, um, like 5% or more uh, for the past few years, then it is most likely you will get a premium because a lot of times um, if people have a book that's like basically flat, that means the business has already plateaued. So um, it is it is more straightforward for the calculation. But if your businesses keep growing, then you can um, sell it in many different ways. Say it has growth potential and different areas of attempts and there are so many opportunities and different things, you know, or you have a strong uh, brand uh, branding and attraction and uh, a lot of attraction from customers and you could even like say there are early adopters and that might be exponential growth. Like there are so many ways to spin it, but people love growth. Um, next one is uh, profit margins. So we already um, touched upon a little bit like EBITDA is important and the beginning of EBITDA is profit margin, right? Um, that's at the, the, the gross level. So that's the gross margin and net margin. So both are important. Um, but the more important is the gross margin. Like if your COGS is already like not working, like 80% and um, net profit 20%, that's, it's very unlikely that the, that the business would be profitable because you still need the investment in growing the market and investing in your team and headcount and all that. So uh, profit margin. And also if you have a lower profit margin than your industry average, that gives you a disadvantage. But if you have a higher margin compared to industry average, then that gives you a huge advantage. That means you have you know, better supplier or better channels, or you have a, a price premium for your product and services and all that good stuff. Okay. Customer concentration. Uh, take a guess, does buyer, do buyers, like customer concentration or not? Feel free Meaning, to put your- Do they like most of your sales generating from like a few top buyers? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay, good, good. So we got the basics. Yes, uh, the answer is no. So imagine if you are a manufacturer and your major, um, customer is Walmart. Think about your negotiation power, right? 
and think about the potential like they're comparing you with one of your competitors and threaten you to you know discontinue your product that could be detrimental right or if you are in a service um, model uh, one of your biggest customer is uh, one company and the company has like maybe changed leadership or changed ownership or even like uh, their need changes, then you could lose a big chunk of your revenue. So that is not good. Same thing like in the personal finance is like diversification, right? So you need to diversify your customers and your suppliers as well to make sure you have a more flexible and responsible uh, business model. Location and assets. So that one is pretty important, uh, especially for uh, real um, like retail and um, asset is important for a manufacturer and um, asset heavy industries. So usually asset gets added back to the business valuation. So in that case, if you have a restaurant and you have a, you also own the real estate, then real estate is the asset, it gets add back, uh, added to the valuation of the restaurant business. Economic conditions. So that one is pretty straightforward. Like when the economy is good, people are willing to invest, people are willing to buy. So you'll get a better multiple or better valuation. If the economy is not good, then hopefully um, you won't be in a position that you have to sell. Otherwise, uh, it won't be a very good number. So that's the gist. Any questions following this one? Cool, tools. Um, the first two are insights. They are mostly like research or um, database. So the first one is biz buy sales insight report. So it basically gives you the most recent um, trends in different industries of small business uh, sales and acquisition in the US. BVR, um, that is uh, where my data for the multiples come from. They also uh, have a pretty useful tool for industry reports. And uh, I haven't gone to all the details, but they have a lot of resources. Online platforms, so value adder, that is a software where you can input your business information and come to a conclusion or a calculation of your um, valuation. Financial advisors, hub. Like, I mean, I haven't seen any other areas in the west coast or east coast where the government actually pays for one-on-one -on -one expert consulting you guys are so lucky so definitely make use of it and um, benefit from it like the uh, fourth one research funds and business brokers and i recommend uh, search funder so this is an organization started in stanford and over the years it has grown so much so it's basically a uh, like a, a forum for buyers, sellers, investors, uh, all kinds of people like interested in, in small businesses. And we have a local chapter in Phoenix and they have a, like a in-person meeting every month. So definitely check it out. Thank you for joining me in this session. And if you have uh, questions or want to connect, feel free to reach out through Hub.